You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. From the TCL studios, it's Mackie and Judd. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Now launching. Mackie and Judd. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Jimmy Butler. Can he win it here? It is Butler for the win. Yes! Buries the three with three tenths of a second to go. I love the game and I love to win. And that's all I was out there doing was competing, playing hard, doing what I'm supposed to do on the basketball court. Oh, we'll get to the goal for victory in Madison last night. That was a nice win. But we've got to start with this one, Manny Hill and Jonathan Harrison. Jimmy Butler is back. Jimmy <laughs> Butler is back. I am looking at a story that um, was just published a little while ago from... Uh, Woj and Ramona Shelburne, ESPN.com. I have four very important paragraphs to read you about the ultimate malcontent in the National Basketball Association. ESPN.com, paragraph one. Philadelphia 76ers all-star Jimmy Butler has aggressively challenged coach Brett Brown on his role in the offense, complicating an already tenuous chemistry among the team's big three hierarchy League sources have told ESPN. Jimmy, you shouldn't have done that. Yeah, you're probably right. Butler has been vocal in his contesting of Brown and his system, including a recent film session in Portland that some witnesses considered, quote, disrespectful and beyond normal player-coach discourse. I'm so passionate. I love the game. Brown has told people within the organization that he had no issues with that exchange and considered it within the confines of the relationship that he's already developed with Butler's sources said. I'm passionate about it. I love the game and I love to win. And that's all I was out there doing was competing, playing hard. While a source close to Butler contends that his intense direct style can come off as combative as he's trying to make clear his viewpoints, Butler's sluggish assimilation into the 76ers environment is causing some concern about his long-term viability and fit with the organization, league sources said. If you know me, if you're around me, you know my heart, and you know um, how I go about what I go about. The Philadelphia 76ers, ladies and gentlemen, Obtained Jimmy Butler from the Wolves, as you will recall, in mid-November. They are 14-8 since then. They have played 22 games. And in that time, congratulations, one of the most dysfunctional human beings you will ever run across (laughs) has already found a way to begin to alienate himself from a team that, by the way, is begging to give him a max contract that nobody else can. I love my teammates. Um, I don't think there's too many of them that'll tell you that I'm a bad teammate. All right, Manny Hill, several several things to digest and get to here before we talk Gopher Badger hoops from last night. Mm -hmm. Number one, do you remember when we were having this discussion about Jimmy Butler being unhappy with the Wolves, which was obviously before that he was not happy with Fred Hoiberg and the Bulls. Do you remember when I said he and Tibbs need psychological help? Like, you've got to send them to a doctor. Like, you got to get them on a couch. And I think people thought, well, there goes Judd again overstating things. I was dead serious. This guy is going to prove to never be happy unless he's miserable. It's that simple. He's 22 games in to a place where he said he wanted to go. He welcomed the trade, forced his way out of here because basically he couldn't get along with the star players here. And also, he was mad that he didn't get a bigger contract after last season, which, by the way, would have been next to impossible to do. And now, 22 games into his stint in Philadelphia, he is clashing with the star players there, which he said would not happen. And now he's basically saying the coach doesn't know what he's doing offensively. At this point in time, if you are another team, unless you love drama, if you are any team, 
he's not good enough to have any interest in this pain in the ass being part of your team. I just don't, I don't understand what, what, what the, I don't, what is his problem? He's mentally not stable. No, what I'm, is I'm, his problem? He's mentally not stable. You can't identify it, and I can't, because we are not doctors. He is mentally not stable. I, I just don't understand. Like, we, we talked about, okay, when, you know, Robert Covington comes over here in the Butler trade. Covington and Sharage come over here. And you talked about how Robert Covington came here, and he sort of developed, a like, right out of the gate, developed a really close tight-knit relationship with Carl Anthony Towns because Rocco got here and was just like, you know what? This guy's really good. Let me let me develop a good chemistry, a good relationship with this guy because we can go places with this player. What? Okay, Jimmy Butler obviously didn't do that when he was here. How, how is he not doing this with Joe? Joel Embiid Judd is literally one of the top eight or nine players in the NBA. He's better than Cat. Like, and I'm a I'm as big a homer for Carl Anthony Towns as you'll find. But Joel Embiid is better than Carl Anthony Towns. This is literally one of the best players in the NBA. And and you're Jimmy Butler and you're complaining about your role in the offense? What the hell is going on? You need a couch and a doctor. At this, you have to send this guy to counseling. You, it is not normal. And there They're are winning. There are people like this, but Manny, the fourteen and eight is the trade. Why is what is he complaining Man, about? Manny, it's not normal to go home from your God. job, from your job, and I don't care what that job is—basketball player, football player, um, garbage man, sanitational engineer, same thing. All of those jobs. It's not normal to get home from your job and say, "You know what? I had a really good day at work. So what can I find to be unhappy about?" And that's what the Chicago thing appeared to be. He missed Tibbs. Hoiberg was a different cat than Tibbs was. The Bulls were trying to, at that point, I think, get younger. And so mm-hmm. you said to yourself, Jimmy Butler is not happy in Chicago. That makes perfect sense. Let's what? Reunite him with Tibbs. So you do that. And he spends some time here. And he appears to be happy. And then what happens to Jimmy Butler? He finds something here to be dissatisfied about. Makes himself miserable and you're right you know what cat might not be the most polished perfect person but he's a great player he's and a you look at cat you you can look at wiggy all you want and dismiss him but you look at cat and, and if you're covington or butler i think you say i'm a pretty good player but this guy's a meal ticket player and mm-hmm. i'm going to attach myself to this player for as long as i possibly and can i'm gonna uplift this guy and because we're only gonna go as far as this guy can take us and ride it more from Jimmy Butler's or, or the story ESPN.com. Jimmy Butler challenging now uh, Brett Brown, the 76ers coach, offensive system. Butler has expressed a desire to teammates that he hopes to play in a more traditional pick and roll and isolation sets. Oh, yeah. Rather That's than trying to find so his difficult. place in the Sixers' free flowing offense, league sources said. Again, in searching for answers, Butler has met privately, and this is in 22 games. This is mid November. Butler so far has met privately with Brett Brown, his coach, his coaching staff, as well as GM Elton Brand, again attributed to league sources. See? This is a, but this is, so let's just do it. Let's just get him some help. Let's See, just and, get and, him some help. And you remember, Jed, remember when I said, when they made this trade, I said the, the dynamic of Jimmy Butler, not just with Joel Embiid, but with Ben Simmons too. Because Ben Simmons needs the ball in his hands to be, Effective because Ben Simmons can't hit a jump shot outside of seven feet. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows that. So Ben Simmons, to be fully effective, needs to have the ball in his hands a lot so he can drive and and finish at the rim and create for other people and things like that, get out on the break, create things for other people and for himself. Jimmy Butler also wants the ball in his hands all the time. We saw that for a year and, and a year plus here. We saw it in Chicago. He's he wants you just you just read it in that story. He wants to play isolation. He wants his roll. offense. Right. He just wants the he wants the offense run through him. He yep. wants the ball. Yep. He wants to take the most shots. He wants to take the last shot in every game. And you got Brett Brown, who was a disciple of Greg Popovich. Yep. And we all know the type of basketball Greg Popovich has instilled into the Spurs culture and all of his assistants, whether it's Brett Brown. Or Mike Budenholzer, who's the coach of the Bucks right now. They all want to play this free-flowing, everybody gets a touch, 
Everybody gets an opportunity. Everybody moves around, share the ball, get good shots, pass up a good shot for a great shot, all of that stuff. And the Sixers are are doing this is what cracks me up about this. They're 14 and 8 since the trade, Judd. Right, but he's The Sixers are doing it well. Doesn't matter to him. It's unbelievable. But he doesn't care about that. It's unbelievable. It's like, but because they're not playing pick and roll isolation stuff with him, he's mad and whining about yes, it. Yes, yes, and he is so unbelievable. And his contention that that I just want to win basketball games, he's completely He's completely full because of Because you are winning basketball Here's games what he right wants now, to do. Jimmy. Here's what he wants to do. Jimmy Butler wants to be miserable. And you will ne- until he gets help, he will never ever be happy. And that's what I said. He and it's why he likes Tibbs. What is Tibbs? Perpetually miserable, right? Mm-hmm. Is Tibbs ever happy? Like there's moments of I think clarity there where he sort of laughs at a joke or something. But do you really think that Tibbs ever goes home and thinks to himself, "Life is good. I'm making millions of dollars." And, and- Tom Tom Thibodeau absolutely relishes the misery of life. And Jimmy Butler needs it to survive. It's his oxygen. And the Sixers could be 22-0 and right now, and he would find, and they could run the offense through him, and he would find something to be miserable about. I'm so passionate. I love the game. Now, what I will say is this. <laughs> what I will say is this. And we saw a brief glimpse of this uh, from the National Hockey League when I was off last week when Jim Lights, the president of the Stars, came out and lit up the team's top two star players and dropped F-bombs left and right. The NBA has perfected, long ago now, the art of the drama. Oh, yes. It's something every... Oh, yes. It might, it might be... Do you think it's twice a week now? At least? Mm-hmm. There's, there's some story from this league, just continually a story from this league, if there is a period where, where we're just talking about games or, or highlights or that type of thing, mm-hmm. Manny, there's always something in this league where we come back to somebody is PO'd. And this is why, even though you can go into a season knowing that the Golden State Warriors are probably going to win the NBA championship, this is why people are still intrigued by the NBA. This is why I'm still intrigued and by Gold, the NBA and because Golden of State. the drama. Golden State. Full of drama. Full of drama. Draymond Green and Kevin Durant going at it. Does Kevin Durant want to still be there? Kawhi Leonard, last night, Kawhi Leonard made his return to San Antonio and got booed while Danny Green, his teammate, his teammate in San Antonio and now with him in Toronto, when Danny Green was introduced, the that, what do they call it, AT&T Center, I think, where the Spurs play. I've lost just, track of just, all just, the... just erupted in cheers for him. But the next guy, 6'7", from San Diego State, Kawhi Leonard. Boo! Like, it was fantastic! It's like wrestling now, though. Yes, like they perfected they, they perfected the art of drama. Ding! Shot clock at three. McGrayer trying to find some room, and he scores at the end of the shot clock. Curry gives it up. McGrayer will pull a three. The lefty hits. Big three for Dupree McGrayer. Coffee puts it up, and in. I think Coffee was looking to pass. That's exactly right, bro. And it's poked away by McGrayer. McGrayer all the way. McBrayer scores! Davison passes up the three. Now turns it over. McBrayer on the breakaway. For a two-handed jam. Coffee will dribble it out, and the Golden Gophers win a big one on the road in Madison. Yes. All right. For all of you who think that this station in particular, and I guess me in in particular, I should say, (laughs) relish Gophers' failures. I am here to tell you that last night I did not tweet one negative word about this basketball team. And I'm also, I've also got a question. Have we seen a sea change when it comes to Golden Gopher sports, football and basketball in Madison, Wisconsin? Gopher football had lost 14 in a row to the Badgers dating to 2003, Manny Hill. 11 in a row in Madison since 94. They go into Madison in late November, 37-15, Gophers win. Mm-hmm. Last night, Gopher men's basketball, eight in a row, lost to the Badgers, once again dating to 2014, had lost seven in a row in Madison dating to 2009. And before that game, they last won in Madison in 1994 in the old field house. Mm. Both those streaks are done. And, all right. The truth of this is that was an ugly game last night. 
Yes, it was. It was not. It was not a. If you didn't care about the teams, that was a terrible game to watch. That was a Big Ten basketball game. It last was, night. and <laughs> and it's played like football. At times, yeah. it looks like football. It Wisconsin looks like they're trying to run the ball. Old school football. Fifteen points in the first half, and Amir Coffee had fifteen. That's example number one of that guys like Danny who hate college basketball use when they say college yeah. basketball sucks is that version of basketball. Whatever that was, it really wasn't basketball because it was atrocious to watch. But it was a terrific win for the program. Yes, though. absolutely. It was a very good win for I the have Gophers. one very simple question. How do we get that the first half Amir Coffee all the time? He mm-hmm. outscored the Badgers 15-14 in that half. And when that kid plays aggressively, when that kid decides to play like his old man did constantly, Amir Coffey is fun to watch, and he makes a enormous difference. How do you get that guy every night for complete games? I wonder if, you know, we're going to have Andy Greeter on at 4.30 today. We could, at, we could pose this question to him. I wonder if it's just a matter of just running everything through him. Just he he get he well he's, he's playing point guard so I mean, yeah, he certainly but, can but I mean but I, if he's I, aggressive he's fantastic yeah and and I think that's part of it is just him you know run some pick I mean <laughs> we just got to be talking about Jimmy Butler and pick and roll isolation stuff I mean maybe you think Amir Coffee should get ticked off and question Richard Pitino's system but I'm saying like maybe that's what they should be doing actually doing for Amir Coffee is just running a lot of pick and roll isolation, let him make plays for other people. And they've been doing that already for the most part. But yeah, I mean, if he, if he puts it together for a 40 minute game, I'm starting to sound like Tibbs. He's a pro player though. Yeah. Or I think he is at least right. I think so. And Brock Stahl, where's he been hiding? Those two three pointers. Now, now the shot's weird. It's got no trajectory to it's it. It's a little. Uh, it's just flat as it's can be. It's a little be. unorthodox. Yes. But I will say this for Brock Stahl, a transfer. I think he might have the best hair since Lynch on that team. <laughs> Kevin Lynch, early nineties, had, had the great hair. That Brock Stahl hair is fantastic. That high <laughs> hair is great. It's pretty good. All right, we'll take a break. Come back, Doogie with the scoop. Plenty on the Vikings, including is Hugh Jackson a candidate to be the Vikings' offensive coordinator or not? Doogie has the answer. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there on fifteen hundred ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Okay, man. On fifteen hundred ESPN. All right, quick check on traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Just one crash to tell you about right now. It's 62 eastbound in Edina. Uh, it's between Shady Oak Road and 169, and it's causing about a four-minute delay. Okay, welcome back to Mackie and uh, Judd on this Friday. It is time for The Scoop with Doogie. Hello, Doogie. How are you? TGIF Judd. I'm doing okay, although you guys have this candy collection right outside the studio, okay? Yep. Yep. I see from a distance, Starburst. Mm-hmm. I get closer. Tropical Starburst? I mean, that's the ultimate letdown. Why? Explain. Explain? Yeah, why? What's wrong with Tropical Pink, Starburst? orange. You have cherry. I'm not a yellow guy, but traditional Starburst might be my favorite candy. Tropical? Okay. No. So it's not... You don't mess with perfection. So it's not enough that, that we have coffee up here, which we always encourage you to come up that here. That is a positive. Enjoy our Java, which is top-notch, absolutely top-notch, but now we need to upgrade our Starbucks. You're right. You're a giver in many ways. You're right. You're right about that. Yeah, would you believe... And you're here to give. That That's we don't have part. a coffee machine in our TV newsroom. We have a carrying machine. And you used to. But we don't actually have story. the coffee machine. It is an incredibly long story. It's a... Very depressing story. So, yeah, let's move on. Okay, scoop-wise, yeah. Vikings, Hugh Jackson. Now, Zim was asked by Ben Gessling of the Star Tribune at his season-ending presser on Thursday. He was asked a roundabout question that never mentioned Hugh Jackson and basically said, do you like to or would you want to hire a person who you are familiar with to be your offensive coordinator, implying that Hugh Jackson was the guy? Because that's been out there. I think it might have started in pro football talk, but they're buddies and it's not surprising. Anyway. So Zimmer came back with a sort of cryptic comment, which is, you're fishing in the wrong pond. Gessling and Chip Scoggins took that to mean, you're asking the wrong person. Don't ask me that, because I'm not going to tell you. I contend that Zim doesn't play games. If that was Zim's response, his response then back would be, no comment. I took it to mean, you're fishing in the wrong pond, as in, I'm not going to hire Hugh Jackson. 
What do you think? I agree with you. I disagree with Ben and with Chip. And digging enough, I'll just leave it at this. I would be incredibly shocked. I would be floored if Hugh Jackson is the next Vikings play caller. It's just it's not happening. We reported that on Channel 5 at 6.30 on Thursday. But I get it. That gets lost in the shuffle. But that's been out there now for almost 24 hours, at least, on the TV side here at Hubbard Broadcasting that We've been told by a number of sources that Hugh Jackson will not be the hire. If I were a betting man, and there's interest across the league, and Kevin Stefanski going back and forth with somebody close to Kevin, Kevin's family really likes it here. I mean, this is home. I mean, he's been here for now 13 years. You know, and he's highly thought of by many people in the Vikings organization. If I had to bet, Mm -hmm. my money is still on Stefanski, that they get a deal done in the coming days. But there is league-wide interest in Kevin. I don't necessarily know as for a sure. coordinator, correct? Yes, as a coordinator. Yeah, I mean, he interviewed yesterday for the Browns right. job. Right. Yeah, I mean, those close to Kevin don't expect him to get that job. Right. Great experience. I mean, one person who knows Kevin incredibly well said, hey, incredible experience. You don't turn down that sort of experience. But, yeah, they don't see him getting that job. I don't necessarily know for sure who will be the next Vikings offensive coordinator. I'm just telling you my money is on Stefanski. But one thing I'm positive in is that Hugh Jackson will not be that guy. Do you think that Zim likes Hugh, and if things were different surrounding Hugh PR-wise, that Hugh might be the guy? Because my sense is that if you if you hired him right now for that job with the fan base, oh, you and internally, savaged. it would be like a fart in church. Yeah, it would. Yeah, I Which mean, is yes. never good, of course. Yeah, I think they correspond. I mean, I'm sure they text. They talk pretty regularly. I think they have a good relationship. Mm-hmm. Zim certainly has a good relationship with Hugh's agent, John Thornton former Bengals defensive lineman who's now an agent at Rock Nation. You know, so, I mean, there's a circle there, a circle of trust in many ways. But, yeah, it's <laughs> it's just it's not happening. Yeah. You know, they can be buddies. That doesn't mean that Hugh's coming here to call plays. Anthony Barr, back, franchised, or walk? in Mar- Or do, do you think he walks in March? Well, I mean, I guess what would be interesting is, okay, look at what the Dolphins did. Last offseason, franchise Jarvis Landry eventually trade him to the Browns for multiple draft picks. So I guess that possibility exists. I'll tell you this much, though. Come September, do I see Anthony Barr in a Vikings uniform? I don't. The two sides, Judd, talked a number of times, March, April, May, June, into the summer. The two sides never came close to an extension. Now that we are approaching free agency, you mm-hmm. look at all the teams that have a ton of cap space, including the Raiders, right? But the Jets and the Colts and the Browns. There are so many teams. What does Barr want, do you think? 12 to 13 to $14 million per year, if not more than that. Okay. I don't know about the guarantee. I mean, I'd have to look at a comparable deal signed in the last you know year or two. Because in, in a 3-4 he's defense, looking to get paid. He might be perfect. I would agree. If he can rush in that role, I, I think he goes from being a guy that what he, he, he shows up or flashes in games once every few games or so. Three, four, I think he's pretty... If he plays consistently, he flashes a lot more. Agree. Although, you see him a lot I more. think he's a good enough athlete. In fact, I think he's an incredible athlete that he's not lost in a 4-3. But yeah, I think your point makes a lot of sense that, that for a team running a 3-4 defense, you know, he would he would fit in very very well. I just, I'm telling you, I, just, I don't see a scenario based on you know reaching out to a number of people that are in the loop on this thing. I just don't see it after the two sides. I'm telling you, I mean, they had so many talks, Judd. And if Zimmer does going love them, to right? Oh, Zimmer loves him. Yeah, because he's his guy, yeah, his original guy, yeah, and all that. Yeah, I mean, there's love. You just you can't keep everybody, especially when you're paying your quarterback that much money. And I'll continue to say they made the right move on the quarterback. I'll still continue to say that today. Of all their I, options I agree, presented yeah. to them, they, didn't they made money. the right call. But at some point, yeah. you have to lose a guy or two. Yep. You know, in the structure of a salary cap, and I think that guy at least starting next year will be Anthony Barr. Sheldon Richardson, mm-hmm. there's interest. And I think it's tougher to find a really good three technique, the way Mike Zimmer wants to run his defense. So, I mean, there's there's mutual interest. I guess I don't know, though. I mean, would a team like the Jets, for example, have interest in bringing him back? You know, does he get blown out of the water with an offer where the money's too good to say no? I think he might. But I could see a scenario where Sheldon is back, Latavius Murray gone. Thielen gets... Redone at yeah, some point here? He, he to has to it. be, right? Yeah, I mean, I know that his camp I mean, he's fully a good guy. intends to reach out to the Vikings to work on that. Well, he can't. It, is it safe to say, as good of team guy as he is, that at some point in time he's got to, to get a new deal? It just seems to me 
on that deal to come back and play with, with his production this past year, it would be a bad move. Well, I mean, it would be a slap in the face, right? Not only to Adam, but what sort of signal are you sending to the rest of that locker room? That's what I'm thinking, yes. To others in the league. Now, Adam certainly has shown somewhat of a diva side at times this year, right? Getting into it with Belichick. You know, his meltdown. On the field, in yes. Los Angeles. Off the on the field, oh, the yeah, field, off the field, never. no. So, I mean, I don't foresee him, you know, taking a Julio Jones-type stance and skipping OTAs, minicamp, you know, this thing lingering in the training camp. I think the two sides figure this thing out, and he certainly gets a bump in pay. Timberwolves. I was just over there this morning. Robert Covington out a while. And I think a lot of us weeks ago said, okay, he's got a dinged-up knee. Stop playing him 40 bleeping minutes. Yet it happened again. He got hurt at the end of the New Orleans game. About one minute left. 55 seconds left. But he was hurt before that. He was. Yeah, I mean, this was a re-injury of of the right knee. So, yeah, it's a bone bruise. Hibbs said this morning that he doesn't think that surgery is necessary. Just He needs rest. And Derrick Rose We're looking at weeks. Derrick Rose back soon. Questionable for tonight. Now, talking to Tibbs, talking to Rose, I got the sense that tonight might be a bit of a stretch. Maybe not a shocker if he's out there tonight, but a bit of a stretch. But that, you know, whether it's Sunday or sometime next week, that Derrick Rose is very, very close. Jeff Teague, after missing a few weeks with that ankle injury, is back. I said to Tibbs, hey, is Jeff Teague back and back in the starting lineup? Yep. That was a yes. Yep. So Tyus okay. Jones to the bench and heck. Andrew Wiggins plays better with Tyus. A lot of guys play better with Tyus with a non-dominant point guard, ball-dominant point guard. So does Tibbs get that, okay, Teague's back, but he's got a bad ankle still, so I can't play him as much? Well, <laughs> no, if I he mean, didn't get is, it with Covington. This is the answer to the question, And you look at his history in Chicago, Tyus running a lot of guys more. into the ground. I mean, I'd be Do shocked if Jeff Teague only things? plays 20-something like, how he, minutes. How does he not learn from this? God, he's 60, right? I mean, he's stuck in his ways. And his ways, in some ways, have worked, right? I mean, he's won a lot of games. These guys are You're not fall- all of a sudden going to change who you are as a coach at 60 years old. You're just not. Even Zimmer makes adjustments, though. Like, it's obvious you're playing the, these guys too much, right? They start to basically fall. You know, Covington, you're right. Why didn't you look the way... If that guy had a bad knee previously, which we know he did, and with his style of play... How do you not look at that guy and be like, okay, he's a very productive player. He brings a lot. I need him. Therefore, I'm going to be smart about his playing time. Not just, as you just said, stick him out there and say, go to it, Robert. Play 40-plus minutes. And they have guys. Now, Hibbs will say that Tolliver has been practicing and really playing earlier in the season as a four. Anthony Tolliver can play the three. That's the comeback. Hibbs will tell you Tolliver is playing a new position. Tolliver has played small forward plenty. Anthony Tolliver played 26 minutes in Boston the other night. Anthony Tolliver should be playing. It's a joke. They gave him nearly $6 million. Yes. I actually thought him versus Bielitsa, I thought, hey, Tolliver is a better fit for the way Tibbs wants to play. But I've always been a backer of Bielitsa, so I'm not shocked by his success in Sacramento under Dave Yeager. But in Tolliver's case, I mean, he disappeared forever, and then all of a sudden we see him on Wednesday. Yeah, so hopefully he gets some minutes moving forward. He's a Tibbs guy, right? Like, he plays like a Tibbs guy. He does. Like, like he's the type of guy I look at and say, Tibbs is going to play him because he likes him. Bielitsa, I, I thought, was was handled very poorly, but I watched his style of play and how he sort of shrunk at times, and I, I said to myself, this is not a Tibbs guy. Okay, so Tibbs is going to basically say, here's the bench, you're not going to play that much. I look at Tolliver play, and I see a guy who I think Tibbs would love, and he doesn't play. I mean, high basketball IQ... You know, I mean, he oftentimes makes the right play. You know, isn't shy to shoot the ball. I he's mean, that grind, was one he's knock a grinder too. On Bielitsa, now was Bielitsa just beaten down to the point of he just he was fearful at times to right. to shoot the ball. But there were times where I'd be yelling, saying, "Bielitsa, shoot the ball!" That's not really an issue with Tolliver. He's going the to shoot there, the ball. Dukes or at, at the uh, games. Well, if you talk to Joe Colley, I'm not there enough, right? <laughs> It's oftentimes yeah, from the couch. Okay, that's a good point. Yeah. Trying to get there as often as I can. I've been to a few games. And I'll get to a few more games now that the Vikings are done. But yeah. you know, my hope for Tolliver is they eventually trade him. There are teams reaching out to the Wolves saying, hey, what will it take? The newest team is the Pistons, his old team. The Pistons have trade interest, okay? Mm-hmm. I've previously reported the Lakers, the Sixers, the Rockets. I know the Mavericks and Clippers like him. The Mavericks and Clippers, just based on roster configuration, don't 
have trade interest right now, but there's enough trade interest. You're not going to get back a lot. But why not do him the favor? You're not going to play him, but now they need him because of depth, lack of depth, yes. Covington out. But I hope at some point as we approach the trade deadline in about a month, give or take a few days, we're about a month away from the trade deadline, I'm hoping in a few weeks, maybe Covington is back in three or four weeks, that they trade Tolliver. I hope they do him that favor. Uh, the scoop on the Twins, Doogie. Buxton news, I believe you Yeah, well, me. I mean, all over the place. Where would you like to begin? I guess Buxton. on Buxton. Let's yeah, Buxton. I mean, one week from today is the deadline to either sign these arbitration-eligible guys, the contracts, or go in front of the arbitrator, right? Or arbiter. I don't know if it's arbiter or arbitrator, but we saw it last year with Kyle Gibson, right? correct. Yes. The Twins went to the a case. the first time since Kyle Loesch, right? Yeah, forever, right? I think it, and the Twins won the case. I think it was Kyle Loesch. And then Loesch Kyle Gibson used time. it a little bit as motivation had a pretty good year. Good. I'm told, really, no movement. By the way, Gibson in the Dominican Republic right now and Haiti on one of these missions. I mean, he gives back a ton. And actually, Aaron Slagers is down there with him. So I don't know if you were on the conference call with Nelson Cruz and Derek Falvey and Thad Levine the other day, but they said, hey, we can't announce the 40-man move because we haven't been able to reach the player to inform him that we're designating him for assignment or whatever the terminology is. They couldn't reach Slagers because he's either in the Dominican or Haiti, helping out Gibson. But yeah, no movement so far in Gibson. The one guy that there is some movement on is Buxton, that they're making enough progress where it doesn't look like that they'll have to go in Are things back now between, I mean, since the, the September 1st non-recall of yeah, Buxton I would say things sort of are better. Yeah, I mean, put things in a bad light for this a while. before, I'll say it again. I'm, I'm a firm believer that time heals just about all wounds, most wounds. Yep. You know, in Rocco Baldelli went to under Georgia, and I'm told that. That gathering went really, really well. That Buxton really enjoys Baldelli. Doesn't shock me. Just everything I've heard about Baldelli, he's just a great connector with people. He's got this way about him. So, yeah, I think for the most part. Now, hey, there might be some lingering bad blood with the front office, but Buxton really enjoys Baldelli. You know, and so I think, you know, in that clubhouse on the field, there won't be really any lingering issues. There's Max Kepler, I'm told, no movement. I mean, oftentimes these things come down. The final 48 to 72 hours. No movement on Taylor Rogers, Trevor May, Jake Odorizzi. I mean, they'll probably end up signing all these guys or just about all of them. Maybe they go to the arbitrator with one, maybe two. I think they end up reaching one-year agreements with a lot of these guys in the next week. I'll also tell you this much on the Twins. They told Nelson Cruz in the recruiting process, we're not done spending. But the plan is to add some pitching. There are still so many free agents bullpen. still available. Yeah, I mean, they're They've still looking. The bullpen a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I've been talking about this for weeks, but they're still looking for a reliever on a one-year deal. So forget Craig Kimbrell. This is not going to be forget very Zach exciting Britton. signing that Nelson Cruz is, is going to be joined by them. Yeah, but they'll stumble into somebody, right? Yeah. Whether it's Orion Matson or eventually they how, reach it on Kelvin how Herrera. Much is Cru- up with somebody okay. How much is Cruz going to be expected to help Sano as far as his uh, maturation and development? Yeah, a good amount. Yeah, I even I hopped on the conference call the other day and I asked that question to Cruz. And he said, hey, I mean, I've talked to Miguel. Miguel sounds open-minded about that. So, yeah, I mean, that that is part of the reason why. I mean, first and foremost, hey, give us 35 to 40 home runs, provide stability at the DH position, something we haven't had in a few years. But yeah, I mean, part of the reason they're paying Nelson Cruz $14.3 million guaranteed is to help with that relationship with Miguel Sano. Last thing, go for basketball. That was fun last night. It, it was it was ugly game. Fun, I was going to say, it was a fun win, ugly game. And answer me this, how were the Wisconsin Badgers ranked? How is that a ranked NCAA basketball team? Yeah, I don't know. Especially after they lost at Western Kentucky, who's pretty good. I mean, Western Kentucky has a lottery pick. Or a I just don't see them as a ranked pick. team, but... No, and heck, in two months, is Wisconsin even top five in the Big Ten? Like, I saw somebody on they Twitter. They look like it. Actually, somebody you know, Ivan Carter, yeah. used to work at the Washington Post. Ivan's like, that's the biggest win of, of Patino's coaching career. And I'm thinking, two years ago, they won at Purdue, mm-hmm. January of 2017. Mm-hmm. That Purdue team went 14-4 and four in the conference, won the Big Ten by two games. The Gophers end up as a five-seed. In the NCAA tournament, I mean, a lot of that five seed, I mean, that's a pretty good seed. Yep. A lot of that five seed was the win at Purdue. How does this team... But that was fun. I'm telling you, that was impressive last night. How does this team get the coffee that we saw in the first half last night consistently? Because when coffee's playing like that, he is an outstanding basketball player. Yeah, I was even going back and forth with an NBA scout that was at the game last night, works for a Western Conference team. And he asked the same thing. He goes, does Amir, because he 
pick my brain just knowing that I watch just about every game. And he's like, is that the Amir that you see all the time? I said, no. I mean, I saw it against Nebraska. Definitely, yeah. You know, we've seen that it was in an different com- stretches. Comeback win against Nebraska. But yeah, at the I mean, barn. aggressive yeah. Amir is a really fun Amir. You know, and he was he was relentless, and he wanted the ball in the crunch time. You know, and I was texting with his dad, Richard Coffey, last night, and Richard's like, yeah. And that was that was how, I'm how trying the to old tell man, him that's the way you need to play. You need to always be aggressive. Consistently played like that. Correct. The kids got more talent. Correct. But oh, the, and the old Richard man will tell you that played his butt off mm-hmm. all of the time. Mm-hmm. But at times, Amir. Tends to defer, and he's a really good passer. He's got great vision. But when he takes control, he might be that team's best passer. But, but when when he takes control, he can be really effective. Really, sure. really good player. And you think about it. I mean, Jordan Murphy was a non-factor last night, and he scored the first basket of the game. Eleven rebounds, though, too. Though he does a lot of things. He does, sure. But he fouls out. He only contributes yep. five points. If I had told you before the game, oh, I'd say they're dead. The Gophers win. And in some ways, win somewhat comfortably. Although I guess it was a two-point game. They made late. it too interesting. Yeah, it got interesting. Although I think we all about the stall kid thought Wisconsin would make a run. The transfer. Well, I mean, he made threes. threes at Wisconsin Milwaukee. That's a weird shot, though. It's there's a no trajectory. Shot. It just yeah. goes straight in. You know, Patino's been telling us for weeks that he needs to get in a better shape. I think he still needs. He's to got work great on hair. His body. No, he's got great hair. Though he's a smart player. He's got the big hair. And hey, I'll give some love to Michael Hurt. Yeah. I thought the minutes that Hurt got. You know, I'm talking about, you know, Anthony Tolliver having a high basketball IQ. You know, Michael Hurt has that same IQ. Just makes winning plays, smart plays. I think Michael Hurt could play a little bit more. But, yeah, I mean, I'm encouraged. And you look at the upcoming schedule. Mm-hmm. Now, Tuesday's a toss-up. Maryland's pretty good. they got some NBA players. If you can beat Maryland at home on Tuesday, I think there's I think there's a decent chance, just based on the upcoming schedule, that, that you're 6-1 and one after seven games in the Big and Ten. And another outstanding Big Ten 6 p.m. tip-off. Yeah. I hate those 6 p.m. tip-offs. They're I know, solid. but we have enough 8, right? Like last oh, night no, at 8, I know, I know, I know. But let's I just go back to, to 7.30. You know what? Yeah. Bleep TV. Let's just go back to 7 p.m. <laughs> tips, all right? That's what I want, 7 p.m. tip-offs. Thank you, sir. All right, you got it. Have a good weekend, Judd. Scoopage with Doogie. We'll be back after this. Mackie and Judd. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. Do I have your word on that, sir? Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic, shall we, here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. 62 eastbound, we still have that crash in Edina uh, between Shady uh, Shady Oak Road and 169. It's causing a seven-minute delay. Judd? I'm so passionate. I love the game. Jimmy, you shouldn't have done that. Yeah, you, you're probably right. I'm passionate about it. I love the game and I love the win. And that's all I was out there doing was competing. If you know me, if you're around me, you know my heart and you know um, how I go about what I go about. I love my teammates. Um, I don't think there's too many of them that will tell you that I'm a bad teammate. Jimmy Butler, never ever change. If you've not seen the story, ESPN.com uh, broke this afternoon shortly before we came on the air at 3 o'clock. Jimmy Butler challenging Brett Brown's 76ers offensive system. 22 games in. Unbelievable. In the last year of his contract. I take it back. Totally believable. Oh, it's completely believable. And it led to this poll question from our guy, Jonathan Harrison, 1500 ESPN Twitter account. Where does Jimmy Butler play next? The 76ers. Does he stay there? The New York Knickerbockers, the Miami Heat, or Rick Pitino's team in Greece, Panathinaikos or something like that. Jonas Vasilinovansas. Thanks, Charles Barkley. You came as close <laughs> as I did with that name. Jonathan. Pro- you were fairly close, yeah. Jonathan, pronounce it uh, for me correctly. Panathinaikos. Panathinaikos. Jonas Vasilinovansas. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it, sounds like, uh, it sounds like an entree, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> Jonas Vasilinovansas. Sounds like he's talking about some kind of sauce he's going to put on his wings. It, yes, exactly. <laughs> But he's try he's trying to tell the server exactly what he wants, and it's one of those ones. It's one of those ones where if you go to to a restaurant with a gal and you're trying to act like I want this and I know how, how to pronounce it, and you don't want to completely embarrass yourself in front of the gal and the server, and so you attempt to pronounce it and you know that you butcher it, but at least you tried. That's what it sounds like. Jonas Vasilinovansas. <laughs> 
It's amazing. So to make things simple, the team in Greece right now, we have uh, 321 votes in on this. Where does Jimmy Butler play next poll, which is hysterical in itself because it's so popular. 59% are saying um, Patino's team. Panathinaikos. Thank you. In Greece. Uh, 23% are saying the New York Knickerbockers, which I fully can pronounce. 12% are saying the Miami Heat. And 6% are saying the Philadelphia 76ers. I got a question for both. You guys, if you watched the Gopher game last night, did you watch, and I get that the Gophers won, and so so if you're a Gopher fan, you're very pleased by this, but did you guys watch, and if you did, have empathy for Ethan Happ trying to shoot free throws? Yes. A little bit, yeah. Because that became the strategy as soon as he touched the ball. Just follow him because put him at the free throw line. If I think it a, was brutal to watch. And if I think a guy doesn't care or doesn't work mm-hmm. at, at that part of the craft, then I don't care, right? Mm-hmm. I think this kid does. And yeah. I was trying to think of what is the most, as a sports fan, what is the most brutal thing to watch a guy fail at when, when you know it's mental? Is it free throws, the yips and golf, which is brutal to watch, mm-hmm. or a baseball pitcher or player who can't basically throw a strike? You know, Steve Sachs couldn't couldn't th- throw the ball to first base by the end and would aim it into the stands. Mark Wallers, I remember. Mark yes. Wallers was a, towards the tail Rick end Ankeel. of his time with the yeah Rick Ankeel had same it really thing, just bad. lost yeah. the strike zone. Yeah, and I think that goes back to the first guy that was documented with extensively was uh, Steve Blass of the Pirates in the seventies. He just lost it. He mm-hmm. couldn't throw a strike. But that stuff has nothing to do with desire or want to. It's psychological completely. Yeah, And I don't know, watching Hap attempt free throws, and I want to say, they pointed out on the Big Ten Network by about his second-to-last one last night, he was sort of arching himself up onto his tippy-toes to try and shoot it. That is absolutely brutal to watch a guy who you know has no shot. I tend to have a little bit of empathy for like big guys that aren't good at free throws just because it's... I mean, the, most of these guys, they all play with their back to the basket. They play around the rim. And, and Ethan Happ is that type of guy. Like, he's an old school big guy. Like, he doesn't, he doesn't shoot anything, like, outside of, like, eight feet, really. And so I tend to, you know, Shaq, obviously, he's the, the, the most well-known one. DeAndre Jordan has trouble with free throws and that sort of thing. The ones that I don't really feel bad for in basketball with free throws are, the, are like, guards. If you're a guard and you're bad at free throws... Like now, you know, Markel Fultz is a little bit of a different case because oh. he's got like there's like something physically wrong with his shot, and like yeah. he's got like an actual condition that he's trying to work on that they're trying to fix. Yeah. So his case is a little bit different. He's an exception, but like, Judd, I was looking it up the other day. Lonzo Ball is shooting forty five percent from the free throw line this year and, that's and on, last year too as a rookie that's on him then yeah that's on him 45 yeah. percent but when you watch a guy who's got the psychological problems See, that's yeah that is incredible ethan hap had no there's something there's something else there yeah well i think you just it starts to go south and then you start to think about each one and eventually you just become a mental mess mm-hmm. and and it, it helped the golfers cause obviously to foul him because he couldn't make one. But you're thinking to yourself, my God, this kid's got no shot. Like he has no chance. And then you put, he's going to be, he's going to luck into a free throw being made. And then you, you, a lot of these guys too, you put them in a tight situation. If they're already struggling at the line, you put them in a tight situation and you just know they got no chance. Like we can go back to Wiggins with the, on the for the Hawks game. You just knew he was he was bricking free throws that whole night. You knew when when the game we had a chance to tie the game in the closing seconds. Yep. You know he had no shot of making those. I was at that game. That was absolutely yeah. brutal. You just knew because just psychologically, if you've already missed a handful in the game and it's a tight situation, you got yep. no shot. What happened to to that too? Because as I recall, in his first couple of years, is that correct? Mm-hmm. His free throw shooting was not awful. No, it was it was okay. Seventy, you know, about league, league average. And then 75%. he just lost it. Yeah, and and, and then he I stopped actually, attacking. Then yes. he stopped attacking the basket. And yeah. I looked up the stats last last Friday, and actually he's come around a bit. But last year, I think it was just awful. He yeah, couldn't it was about shoot sixty five percent last year, which is horrific for a wing player or a guard. That was last Friday was brutal, and then. <laughs> 
Wiggy didn't help his cause when Krasinski oh, asked him about the fans yeah. booing. And uh, and Wiggy decided to say that the fans were um, some fans. He did not say all fans. And by the way, that quote was him in a nutshell because he didn't say it with anger. He said it as oblivious as possible. Like he has no clue. This it? I'm trying to see if it's... Okay. Okay, yeah. we're good, yeah. But he said that with absolutely... Because when you read that quote the next day, it read like, oh, man, he's mad. He didn't change his demeanor one bit. Did you hear some booze from the fans and things? Yeah, you know, those fans for you, you know. Uh, we got some fans and we got some good fans. That's just how, you know, that's how it works. But listen to that. Play that again. Did you hear some booze from the fans and things? Yeah, you know, those fans for you, you know. Uh, we got some fans and we got some good fans. That's just how, you know, that's how it works. The flat line there yeah. is remarkable because yeah. you read that quote and you thought, oh man, he showed some spark there. That might be a good thing. And he showed zero spark. He didn't change one bit. And he is, it is remarkable when you think about athletes and the different ones who are oblivious to things. Just a little tone deaf, yeah. Or a lot tone deaf. Mm -hmm. Kirk Cousins. Mm -hmm. Kirk Cousins is tone deaf. One of his biggest things, if Kirk Cousins changed his demeanor, it, it would actually help him. But he's tone deaf. Andrew is completely tone deaf. Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler has no clue. The only thing that Jimmy knows is Jimmy's happy if he's unhappy. Mm -hmm. But if you ever looked, if you ever, I would love to ask these guys, do you ever want to get it? Like, do you ever want to get it? Because if you get it, you're going to help yourself. You know, if Kirk Cousins, if Kirk Cousins gets up to a podium after a devastating what should be lost, He's just signed this contract. It's the end of the season, and you just got knocked out with a terrible loss to the Bears. If he goes to the podium and he says, you know what, I am I am upset by this. It's unacceptable. This is not going to happen again. I didn't come here to lose, blah, blah, blah. But instead, as I told Collar, he decides that the way to go is to be the corporate quarterback. Tough times don't last. Tough people do, right? He's well, the corporate. He's the he's yeah. the corporate quarterback. He thinks I I half expect him to come to a podium post game in a suit and tie with a briefcase to go home to the wife and kids. Tough times don't last. Tough people do, right? I mean, it, it, what what gets me about it too with with the cousins thing specifically, Judd, is just how much of a near carbon copy Sunday was to the end of the 2016 season. But when, they, when, it, when it was a win or get in for, for Washington, and they, they lost, and it was just, it was the exact same thing. But what gets me is how oblivious he yeah. is to all of that. Yeah. Dude, you just got a three-year, $84 million. You are a franchise quarterback now. You are perceived or seen as a franchise quarterback, and it is, you are Fred Flintstone at the end of the day on the dinosaur saying yabba dabba do, sliding down the dinosaur, getting in your car, driven by your feet and going home. That's how you're acting. And mm-hmm. Wiggy, Wiggy, of all people, of all people in this town, a guy who somebody has had to have told this oblivious young man, Andrew, Andrew, pay attention just for once in your life. Be present. That's what people like to say, right? Be present. And so, no, when you just missed a couple of key free throws or a key free throw to say to John Krasinski, it's extremely disappointing that I missed those and fans pay good money. And so they they reserve the right to boot. Now, if if you're a star player and you get booed, I can see saying that doesn't seem right to me because I've helped this franchise so much. Mm -hmm. But when you're as big a bust as this kid, to to be completely not present, to see yourself, you know what? He sees himself still as a star player and doesn't anybody can't anybody get to these people and say you know what we're going to do we're going to work with you we're going to work with you to help you at least publicly seem like you have a clue Kirk Cousins seems like he has no clue right or wrong mm -hmm. and he might but he seems like he has no clue Andrew Wiggins seems like he has no clue and Jimmy Butler needs mental help yeah and and going back to the Wiggins thing too it's not even as though he's he's not wrong. I mean, 
you've been you've been to several sporting events, not just Wolves games. I've been to several Wolves games and sporting events. There's some pretty bleepy fans there. We know that. But it's like, Andrew, you're not the one that should be pointing that out. After right. in a game that you missed seven of your twelve free throws. And your team just lost an incredible a game that you can't lose. I mean, that's you, a terrible you lost loss. to an awful team in overtime that you were getting your yes. butts kicked in the first half by twenty plus. Yes. If you You are not the one to be talking about bleepy fans right now. If you've just played Golden State tooth and nail and Carl Anthony Towns with the team down by a couple makes the first free throw and misses the second and mm-hmm. fans boo, I could see saying that doesn't seem fair. I could also see saying I get it. But nonetheless, in that scenario, it makes some sense. But you just lost a game to the Atlanta Hawks, who are actively trying to lose. The Atlanta Hawks did everything last Friday in their God-given power to lose that game. And they came up short and accidentally won. (laughs) And Wiggins misses that free throw, and he's asked a question that is so simple to brush off and say, people paid good money in this sellout crowd that we had, and I missed a free throw, and they reserve the right to boo me. And if you say that, it's dead. But what's more incredible to me from the analysis angle of a human being is for him to have said it like he did, which is completely even keel, monotone, nothing affects me. That's the weird thing. And that's what we've been seeing from Wiggins a lot just on the basketball court alone. That well, that's him. Nothing, nothing affects him. That's him. Good or bad. But if that's going to be the case, then answer the question with, I missed, I'm sorry, you're all great fans, and I'm just not good. Mackie and Judd resume things following these messages. That's just about the most fantastic scheme I've had to date. On 1500 ESPN. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.